0: Real fun D.C. So good you'll eat it up. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis.
1: Hey everybody and welcome to another Industry Night with me, Nikki Nellis. Hard to believe that this show has been airing now for five years. Legit. But it is. And um, I just have to say how fortunate I am. I mean, I already have the opportunity to interview amazing people in the food, wine, hospitality and luxury world um, for both the list. Are you on it, dot com, The online e-zine and Foodie and the Beast, which just celebrated 14 years on air. That is a food and wine radio show that I do with my husband every Sunday. Sunday. But to be able to get a deeper dive with people is really rich to me. It's very exciting, and I'm always grateful for it. And so as many of you know, if you've been with me on this journey, um, I started in the very sexy Line Hotel, which had a studio right in the lobby, and I used to be there every Monday. Uh, But now, thanks to COVID, I do it in my home office, which is not nearly as sexy, but I am so lucky that uh, Real Fun DC hosts this show every week, so it's a major win, and to that point, uh, thank you for joining me, and let's get on with this week's show. So Joy Kingsley-Ebay and I were introduced by a very good friend years ago, and then I started seeing her everywhere, Uh, like everywhere, obviously pre-pandemic, but Joy is a model. She's a stylist. She is the founder of Kingsley Models. And in her spare time, she is also a fashion editor for Monarch Magazine. So if you look up entrepreneur in the dictionary, chances are you're gonna see one of Joy's very pretty pictures. Um, Her story in a moment. Uh, Another person I met a long time ago, Chef Eric Adjepong. Uh, I actually met him pre Top Chef fame. Not that I made him, but I'm just saying.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> but I did meet him early on, and he has really catapulted into stardom. And he is now hosting Alex versus America on the Food Network. So let's get into that. Hey, Chef, how are you?
2: Nikki, hey, what's going on? How are you?
1: It's so good to see you.
2: It's great to see you again. I'm going to have to give you credit. I'm You know, food and beast definitely helped with. Uh, oh yeah, the, I
1: mean total the, logic
2: yeah.
1: guys <laughs> I'm about that. So. Let's just before we get into your latest gig which is very exciting. Let's just talk a little bit about what you were doing before because you were doing pop-ups and and cooking and and you're well known for your uh Ghanaian cuisine. Um but let's just talk about what you were doing especially with this pandemic and everything.
2: Yeah, you know it's um I was really on that path. I was uh, started really in New York uh catering and um and and doing pop-ups. And uh, when I moved down to, to DMV, DC area specifically uh, for family, um, you know, wanted to kind of just carry over and, and, and build a new clientele out here in the district. And that was kind of how the ball started rolling. Um, there was a lot of great things happening at once. I guess the stars all aligned. And, um, you know, in addition to the pop-ups, um, you know, I, I started working at uh, the Intercontinental Hotel uh, at Kip and Kin. Um, and and that's really how Top Chef really kind of um, came to the fold, and and really everything kind of just catapulted up from there, like you mentioned. So it's been a crazy ride. It's still going. I feel like the coaster is still going up, um, but I'm I'm having a blast, you know, at the same time.
1: But now, are you still cooking?
2: yeah for sure um still pretty much uh it's not as frequent the volume um you know the frequency rather isn't as much because there's so many other things that have been happening tv and and the cookbooks and stuff like that but really when it comes to um like my bread and butter it's it's really doing uh these kind of detailed events um and I've been able to start uh, working as a consultant as well and helping build restaurants in, in Ghana and Africa and uh, working on a project hopefully in the islands as well in Bermuda. So um, I've been kind of I dispersed. I saw
1: that you were <laughs> yeah. in Bermuda because I, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. so yeah. I stopped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's a couple of things going on. Um, I, you know, I've, I feel like a, a second citizen now to, to the island. I've been there so many times and just been uh, amazed by the hospitality. Um, so I've been able to cook for locals. Uh, I was lucky enough to cook for the president and first lady of the country as well. Um, so it's been a, a complete blast. So hopefully uh, with some little bit more, um, you know, traction, I guess, um, we can you know start something really exciting in the, uh, on the island pretty soon.
1: Well, that is very exciting. Now, I want to know how you wound up friends with Alex Garnaschelli. Because yeah. That's what brought you to this new Alex versus America on the food network. How did you guys meet?
2: You know, it's crazy. We were talking offline about this. It's it's really just the power of saying yes more than no. And, and just being open to opportunity. I uh, did Chopped for the first time and I was one of the very few Uh, I guess judges who was actually a contestant uh, as well. So um, I was kind of nervous and, you know, I think Alex kind of sensed that energy, but you know, as soon as we hit the hair and makeup kind of chair and started talking, I felt like complete at ease and it almost felt like we knew each other for a long time. It's a cliche, but it really, really felt that way. Um, just kind of just talking about New York City and and you know uh, you know the challenges, the victories, the failures throughout COVID and everything. Uh, we really clicked immediately, and it made um, filming that day uh, so much better and a lot like fluid. And it was second nature to me. So, um, unbeknownst to me, Alex was uh, you know in the process of getting you know the show greenlit and was looking for a host. Uh, so I guess when the uh, the opportunity came and she was uh, asked for it. Uh, or about it she reached out um, and that's how it kind of happened and i've never done anything like this before i i don't know what i don't know um and you know I, I always say i always have like two left feet when it's anything outside the kitchen um so i was a nervous like wreck i can tell you nikki but i had a lot of fun doing it and caught a rhythm like you know by the time we finished ending <clears throat> excuse me, by the time we finished the last episode, I was like, wait, I can do more. Like I can do like another five because I was like- wait, All I right, want to do it I,
1: differently. Can we do
0: that again? Yeah,
2: exactly, Sorry. yeah. And I just started kind of studying myself along the way. So um, I love a new challenge. I love being competitive. And this is kind of one- where it's like me versus me and i can really kind of like challenge myself and uh you know see where i can do better and, and see what i can prove on the things that i'm doing really well on so it's been great um, and, and everyone's been patient as well um, shout out to the editing team um because they make me look good as well so they are they're, yeah, your best, yeah. friends.
1: they're <laughs> best friends seriously they can clip you to have like that strange look on your face right yeah. I mean, yeah. they make you look bad
2: listen it's a double-edged sword they you know if you don't do well with them or you're not making friends um they can make you look like a fool quite easily on tv so yeah you gotta be nice
1: well so can you get the basis of the show so i mean for people who are not maybe familiar with alex or her prowess can you give us a little 411 and how this show came to be
2: um if you're not familiar with alex which is crazy because she's she goes hand in hand with food network but she's a an iron chef she's beaten uh chef bobby flay on his own territory she has restaurants and uh, New York uh, butter, one of the the classic uh, you know staples in in New York dining. Um, so she's just been a seasoned and and just one of the best competitors uh, that's that's known to television. So you know the opportunity to have her own show really was a no brainer. And what we're doing is we're gathering we're gathering chefs really um, in all different kind of like pedigrees and, and different kind of like um, focuses. So we have spices, chocolate, um, you know uh, seafood masters, people who are just like expert in beef and we're kind of sourcing they you know the the production team did an amazing job uh, really getting the the best of the best and the the new up and coming chefs who are really making a name for themselves and they all came into this arena and Alex's arena uh, to compete against her so what's cool about it is like you get to see how eclectic and how uh, versatile her cooking style is which is really you know i've seen it on tv but it's, it's completely different watching her in person and it's super impressive uh but then also you get to hear really great stories uh, from these chefs that are coming from all the you know all across america um so it was a really really cool show to, to shoot um I learned a lot, but I, I, you know, not only, you know, hosting, but then, you know, just cooking, you know, and and, and just kind of getting nerded out with uh, with Chef Alex and, and on the culinary side and and picking her brain as well. So it was just a complete learning and fun process for me. And I, you know, I was, um, I'm happy that everything kind of came out and looks so great as it is.
1: Well, so I'm sort of curious as a natural competitor, I mean, you said earlier, you're competing with yourself, but since you've been on Chopped and Top Chef and, you, you know, you're, you're a part of that competition world when it comes to the culinary industry um did you watch some of these chefs and be like yeah no 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 don't do that i let me tell you <laughs> let, me, like, let me get in there let me show you how to do it
2: you know yeah you do but then also like you sympathize cuz it's crazy cuz i've been on both sides of the of the field now right um, so i I I put myself in those shoes because there's so many like glaring obvious things that you like, oh my gosh, no, don't do that. But then I put myself in their shoes and I'm like, you know what, when you're like racing against the clock and the cameras are right in front of you it, I've made bonehead decisions in the middle of a cook as well. So I'm, I do my best, um, especially within like the spirit of the game and the and the laws of, you know, how we constructed the, uh, the, the challenges to kind of help remind people. So if there's like something, an important ingredient that they're missing on their plate, you know, hey, chef, you know, I really love to taste that, you know, um, you know, X ingredient mangoes or whatever. Uh, don't forget, you know what I mean? Just to kind of keep them uh, float, but it's it's uh I mean once the lights get going and the cameras get going and you're racing and you also know that chef Alex is right across from the best dish that she can it's <laughs> like the craziest thing for sure
1: so now you're not a part of the judging of this right there are ju- like so what's the system how does it work
2: Yeah, so along with each episode, uh, the theme of each episode, we bring uh, judges who are seasoned uh, within that category so like beef masters, um, spice masters we bring them in as well. Uh, And it's a blind tasting so it's completely just uh, autonomous, you know, no one really knows uh, who's cooking what, which brings another layer of like just anonymity to the show but then kind of brings like another uh, layer of like um, just truth, you know, like you really can't pull the wool over the audience's eyes when it comes to this, and it's truly blind tasting. Like they're completely off the set, and we bring them in once the chefs are done cooking. So. It's been it's been a really cool process to watch um, and be a part of. I wish I could eat. I kind of pick a little bit and nibble a little bit at, uh, as the judges are or excuse me as the cooks are done, uh, but like the full composed dish is completely up to the judges, and I'm just there trying to facilitate. And then also the mouthpiece because uh, since the the chefs are not there to talk about their dishes, it's up to me to try to be um, you know their mouthpiece and really describe their dishes. Uh, as robust. right you have to clear,
1: you have to be yeah. sort of you're clarifying what's happening. Exactly. You know, are yeah, you talking yeah. to the contestants while they're cooking? Like are you- Yeah,
2: exactly. So trying to get a feel um, and understanding of where they're at, uh, where their mindset is, what they're hoping this dish could be. Um, and then just trying to check in as much as possible. So it's really cool that I have an understanding of you know the basics, uh for a lot of the cuisine but like if you're doing something that's completely unique to you or you're using a very like specific specialty product like you need to let me know because if i don't then you know the judges won't know that and that could be the deciding factor whether you win or lose or go to the next round
1: well so let's talk about the next episode which is on january 30th uh it's alex versus chocolate so Mm. what happened what went down on that show
2: uh, I wish no I could spoilers. tell if uh, it's only that easy. Um <laughs> it's another one, you know, like self-admittedly, Chef Alex isn't like the biggest chocolatier, right? So she's going against some of the like some really, really heavy hitters. Uh, but do not be surprised if she holds her own. I mean, again, she has been battle tested. Uh, seeing that she's not so specific or like, you know, proficient in chocolate, uh, the fact that she knows that. Any other chefs. Like that she has been a competitor for so many years, an advantage that she hasn't them. So it's really cool to kind of watch those dynamics play um, as the challenges are kind of are, are set forth and, and as the cooks are happening. Um, but I can tell you that was probably one of the best episodes because it was so, so decadent. Oh my goodness. Um like you couldn't get the chocolate away from anybody. But yeah, I mean, it was like it was obvious, right? So you have some of the best chocolatiers, chefs. In the in the country and like the food was just spot on. The food has been spot on the entire season, but that specific episode it was really fun.
1: Okay, so now that you've gone down this road and you're hosting. Are you are you catching the bug? Are you like,
2: I think I Oh I'm bit, yeah, completely. I'm I'm so again, I have a competitive nature and I'm like, now that I've done this, I'm like, all right, I'm scratching, I'm chopping at the bills to get to season two. Like I, I wanna be able to continue doing this. Um and really explore this kind of like, you know, new avenue that uh I really didn't see coming, you know, a few years ago. You know, apparently I'm doing decently well. Um and they keep asking me to come back, so I'm just gonna keep up on that um and, and have time with it. So I would love to get back at it, I, I, I'm having a blast doing it, um, I'm getting to know the other side of the production as well, uh, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool, and then I guess my, my full understanding about uh, how a, a true show is, is ran is, is completely different now, because it really is a production, there's, there's audio visual, there's the culinary team, there's the art team, um, and they're all working to, to get people out, in and out, um, and it's been, it's really impressive to watch, So yeah
1: yeah it's um I think we are all a little uh we just don't know what goes into the production of a show right just watch it and we're like I mean just
2: watch it yeah yeah it's crazy I mean all the it
1: it starts it starts way before it starts as an idea and then there's getting the people like there's so many things that go into making a show successful there's reasons why most shows don't stay successful or laugh don't make yeah
2: i mean and you kind of equate it to like any sort of industry um i think about sports a lot uh but really think about a restaurant you need to you need repetition to kind of build chemistry so the more you do it the better the show becomes so season one usually can you know feel a little awkward because everyone's kind of getting adjusted but hopefully when we you know can get into a really nice groove uh then we can see not only really good food but then you know um me be better and Chef Alex be better um, if that's Great. possible. But uh, there's there's really like a lot of uh, growth and, and, and things to look forward to. So I, I, I'm excited. Um, it's been a blast doing it. Um, I, I'm not switching careers anytime soon. Okay, uh, that's what I, I, I have. I yeah, <laughs> at least I have something under my belt for sure. All
1: right, Chef, I'm Eric Adjapan. It's always good to see you. Um, Alex versus America is on the Food Network, so check your local listings, please. Tell everybody where they can find you on social media, because I stalk you there all the time.
2: Oh my goodness, yes. Um, (laughs) Chef Eric Adjepong on Instagram, um, E-R-I-C-A-D-J-E-P-O-N-G, Chef Adjepong on Twitter. And uh, my website is www.chefadjapong.com, uh, where all the updates and uh, shows and, and you know, happenings are, are going. So some really cool things on the pike uh, or in the pike are coming up um, that I'm excited about. And Nikki, again, thank you so much. It's really good to see you. And uh, hopefully we we'll can talk soon.
1: Okay. Well, that was so much fun catching up with Chef Eric. And as I brought up in the beginning of the show, um, being a model sounds really cute fabulous, right? Like, I mean, you're already pretty, so you got that going for you. Um, But not every pretty face becomes a model, creates a (laughs) style aesthetic and becomes a sought after stylist. Oh, and then also launches a modeling agency, um, especially here in the DC market. So Joy Kingsley, eBay, I'm so delighted to have you with me today. You know, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we were introduced years ago by a mutual, very good friend. And then I started seeing you all over um, at all these fabulous and fun events, which remember those days? Remember when they are fabulous <laughs> and fun? Yeah. Well, hopefully those times will be back. So uh,
0: you know, it. Every,
1: every time I saw you, I always said the same thing, like, I need to know your story. I want to know more about you. I want to get you on air. So I'm so glad we could finally make this happen. Thank so,
0: you for doing this.
1: You, start, look, you didn't start as a model, but tell me a little bit about how where you came from and how you got into modeling.
0: Got it. So I got into modeling completely by chance. Um, so prior to that, I was an athlete. I lived, breathed, sports you know in high school I played everything in college I had a full volleyball scholarship to George Mason and then I went on to play professionally in the Netherlands after college so I was not thinking about modeling now I would have people say to me oh you should model you're tall and you're skinny but to me I'm like well it's just not about being tall and skinny (laughs) you know like am I pretty enough but um so by chance um I had a friend, I decided one day, you know what, I'm just going to try. So I found a, a photographer online back in the day. This is way before social media. Right. You know, I could have been abducted if I had done all this. So I found a photographer online. We connect, we meet, we do a photo shoot, and he submits my images to this um, local agency in Virginia. They were a very small agency. They're, they haven't been around in a very, very long time. But I still give them credit because they were interested. They signed me and it got my foot in the door with modeling. So from that, I just kept at it. You know, it was always part-time. I never was a full-time model in my 20 year career. I was always education first, career first, moonlighting on the side to do what I loved. And and, and the same thing with the styling business. And so finally, um, you know, I started seeing some successes and I started making money. I started, But I'm
1: sort of curious, what did modeling, I, I think when people think of modeling in the DC market,
0: mm-hmm. they're
1: like what, I mean, there's like two magazines, like what, what, and when earlier there wasn't very much. So what did modeling look like? Cause I think for people who don't know any better, they think modeling is Europe. Yeah. You know, the runways, New York, LA, but mm-hmm. not. DC. So what does, what did modeling mean for you when you started in this area? Were you traveling? Were you going everywhere? Was it, what was it?
0: That's a very, very good question. Thank you for asking that. So modeling for me, it wasn't traveling at that time. So it wasn't going to New York. It wasn't going to the bigger markets. It was, I would get booked for some local fashion shows here. And as you know, DC is very um, nonprofit centric, you know, charity based. So it would be a lot of these events that, were fundraising and they would host a fashion show so i would do that um there were companies that would hire models like coons auto right i did a bunch of their commercials um, and they're looking for commercial models and we have to make sure we understand the difference between being a commercial lifestyle model and being a fashion model Mm -hmm. when you're just focusing as a fashion model you're going to be doing a lot of the print work working with designers fashion shows, things that, um, aesthetically show, um, you know, high fashion when you're a lifestyle commercial model, which most people don't understand. That's where the big bucks are. You know, that's when you're working with all these big corporations. Like, um, it could be like Olympus camera. It could be Kodak. It could be, um, bank of America, capital one, like all of these companies, you see the
1: footage, right? Where yeah. stock footage come from? Yeah,
0: yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I did a lot of stock footage photography too, and that was something that a lot of agencies will do for their newer models. Like when you're getting in and you're starting out, because it helps us build our portfolio. But it allows us to, you know, sometimes we'll get paid for that stock footage photography, um, and then you have some exposure there. So that's a very um, lucrative business here too.
1: I bet. So Mm -hmm. as you were getting into modeling and your moonlighting or whatever, what about fashion shows? What about walking and posing for a camera? I mean, not everybody. I mean, I can speak to this myself. I don't feel comfortable in front of a camera. I never have. It's very difficult for me. So how do you, how do you, how did you deal with all of that? How did you learn how to walk? How did you learn how to pose? How did you learn how to feel comfortable with yourself in front of the camera?
0: it's practice. And so for me, I practice like I was practicing for my sports, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And that is also one of the things that I have now noticed as I form a model, when I'm with my friends that aren't models, they all feel the same way you feel. I don't know what to do, I'm not comfortable, but I literally would sit in front of the, the mirror and I would practice posing. I would practice my smiles, I would practice my smile. I would practice so I knew how to do these poses when I did not have a mirror in front of me. As a model, you really have to learn and understand your angles not just your facial angles but your body angles if you hold one shoulder up how is that going to look on camera um what position is going to make you look slimmer standing up straight sucking in all of these things like when I'm out in the real world and I'm just at an event one of the fabulous events we've seen each other at you know when I'm posing whether it's an iPhone camera or one of the professional photographers there I'm self-aware of all of those things Am I standing up straight? Where's my angle? What's my face? Where the average person is not aware of that. So I have been fortunate that my modeling career has also seeped into my personal life. So it's helped me the way I walk, walking on the runway. Same thing with my walk. I would set up my mirror at the longest end of the of my hallway, and mm-hmm. I would just walk back and forth and back and forth and just practice and that's what I tell models today that i that sign with me it's you gotta practice none none of this comes easy, and also you have to study your craft so research find models that are popular models now and find the ones that are similar to you, whether it's your hair, your body, your face, whatever, and see the types of jobs that they're getting and study that. Before a shoot, I would literally be going through Vogue magazine, Elle magazine, like all these top magazines, mm-hmm. and I would be studying the poses so I can practice them. But it's it's not easy, but you have to really put in the time.
1: Well, I think that's really excellent advice um, for everyone, really, not just models. I, I think for a lot of people, uh, they're so self-conscious Yes. about, you know, posing in the mirror and, and yeah. taking out there, or even, I, I can speak to this personally, when we're at events or when people take my picture, mm-hmm. it feels I'm self-conscious that I am posing. It feels yeah. like, you know, no, I'm supposed to be natural. I'm not mm-hmm. supposed to pose, but you don't look good unless you pose. Yes,
0: exactly. <laughs> works. Then you learn how to pose and where it looks natural. <laughs>
1: right. That's that's the key. <laughs> yeah All right. So you're modeling. How is modeling segue into styling cuz let's be honest not every model knows how to dress.
0: Oh, trust me on that. I have a bunch that I'm like, okay, you guys need to look like a model off the runway too. <laughs> so, um, but it was just for me. I was always in the fashion, you know. And I won't even say that I was the most fashionable because sometimes I look at old pictures, I'm like, girl, what were you thinking? Okay? okay. So, we've so I'm there with everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I My friends and my sister, my family, they would always ask me to take them shopping when they wanted to go shopping. They're like, can you come with me? Can you come with me? Because you just have a good eye. So I would go and, and Nikki, I would dress them in the dressing rooms and they would start crying. And these were my friends and sisters that were now married and had kids. And as women, they tend to forget about themselves, right? They put themselves on the back burner. And so they would realize in the mirror in the dress room, like, oh my God, I forgot what I looked like. Mm -hmm. And so that led me to say, hmm, there's a thing here. There's a need here. Mm -hmm. So when I first started my business, it was actually called love, joy, image, because I realized that's the first time I realized that. Fashion isn't just about the, the physical aesthetic. There is actually a feeling attached to that. There's an emotion. And when people feel good or they when they look good, they feel good. So, and I realized I was making people feel good about themselves. So that's what I have literally, I use that initial feeling in every job I have now. That is exactly how I want my clients to feel when they walk away from a session with me.
1: That's amazing. So you're still doing the styling? Heavily. Okay, well, which is yeah. amazing. So, what does that? If we could just go down a little rabbit hole on that, yeah. what does styling look like? Are you editing closets? Are you taking them shopping? Do you go shopping and then see something and say, "Oh my god, I found something that I think is going to look great"? And you like, how does? I mean, not everybody has a stylist. How does that work?
0: Yeah, and I mean. You know, Nikki, I am true Nigerian to the core. Mm-hmm. So like I do so many things. <laughs> and so, you know, you'll have stylists that focus in one niche, right? They may just be personal stylists and they're just dealing with the everyday one-on-one client. Um, so I do that. So to your, to answer your question, I do do the style edit. I'll come to your closet and I'll go through your wardrobe and I'll edit that. Then we can do the personal shopping, you know, things we eat, you can package it up and do both, or you can do one or the other. Then I also do portrait shoots. I have a lot of clients that may want that other stuff or they may not, but they're like, hey, I have a photo shoot coming up, whether it's for their business branding or they just want to feel good about themselves. You know, it's their birthday, something's happening. So they would hire me. I put the entire look together. I sent mood boards with, we've now talked, okay? So this is after the consultation. I have an exact idea of what they want to accomplish for that shoot. And then my team and I, we source all the wardrobe. We bring everything to the photo shoot, we curate it, creative directed, bring posing ideas, because the average person doesn't know how to pose. So that's how I have seen my modeling career help me with my styling clients, because I'm able to allow them to be comfortable and get them in these poses that they would have no idea what to do beforehand. Mm. that's one side of it but I also do a lot of corporate styling too so I work on big production sets um like for example the last one I did in the end of December was for Pepco so my team styled 15 talent for a two-day photo shoot and it was like a bunch of different scenes so I do a lot of corporate styling for like Capital One Bank um and and even a lot of smaller boutique companies here
1: Okay, I'm so fascinated by that because you said something about that earlier and I was thinking more like you were supplying the models. I do. I, I, right, but yeah. it didn't occur to me that you were setting the stage and setting the scene and showcasing how these photos should be taken yeah. so that they could use them as business-wise stock. I'm using stock as a mm-hmm. I don't know phrase, but so when you go to their website, that's what we're looking at, right? Yeah. Or, that's you know brochures I'm assuming that's what all this is for right
0: it is and what's been beautiful is I would I've been styling for the last 12 13 years right I started the styling business that long ago but I only started the modeling agency four years ago we just celebrated our four-year anniversary this past September Mm -hmm. but It has beautifully merged together. So now I've had my styling clients that have companies that have now hired my models for their photo shoot. And then I've been able to style that photo shoot. Then I've had modeling clients that hire my models. And in between the whole booking process, they're like, oh, by the way, we need a stylist. Do you have a wardrobe stylist? Do you have this? So I'm able to provide that. Um, So it's allowed me to create my business as a one-stop shop because not only do I represent models, but I represent makeup artists and hairstylists and photographers and a team of wardrobe stylists. And then, um, so you can just get everything you need right here at Kingsley. That's
1: amazing. (laughs) All right, so first of all, congratulations on four years. I think I met you as yes. a, launching. You were like uh, a modeling agency. And I was like, I mean, you know there's one modeling agency in DC. Right, right, just exactly. One. <laughs> just one, just one. Yeah. Um, and you know her, and I know her and and on all that. But what was it? And this isn't a diss, it's just yeah. what was it that was missing in your mind that you were like, I need That's to see cool. a modeling agency here? Yeah.
2: Well
0: diversity was a big thing that was missing, you know, and for me as an African-American model, um, I know what I struggled through. I know that there, they weren't, they didn't understand how to market me they didn't understand how to um to encourage me or push me in in the right direction there's a lot of things in hindsight now that i know a little bit better than i'm like oh wow why didn't my agents back then do this for me so um i wanted to create an agency that was about diversity but also as corny as it sounds, as you can see, all everything comes back to me to love, yeah. <laughs> okay? And you know, I've been signed in New York, I was signed with the agency in DC when I was modeling, but it, there was always a, a, a separation from boss and talent, you know? And I wanted to create a space that my talent felt connected to. They felt they can come to me about anything, that I wasn't up here and they were down here, that I was attainable, you know? And so that, those were the two biggest things that I really wanted to focus on with my agency and just really being inclusive of all of that. Because um, one of the things that always resonated with me was when we would get casting notices from the agents, and they would, it would be talking about a, a go-see for a fashion show. And a go-see is basically like an audition. Right. So the email is standard. Oh, come to the audition at this time, wear your little black dress and, um, and pull your hair back in a ponytail. Well, I'm a natural hair model. My hair is not pulling back in a ponytail. So you're excluding me and other models that look like me from your messaging. You know? So even with that, I try to be very intentional about my messaging.
1: Well, I think that's a great point. And it's funny because one of my questions to you was going to be, the modeling agency is not known for treating its models really
2: well, right?
1: I mean, forever and a day. Now, there's a lot of change happening out there, obviously, with agencies like yours. So how do you take your experience as a model? How do you take your experience as a Black female model in an environment that has not always been super friendly. Uh, And how do you open that up in your agency? How do you, how do you make those changes? Because, you know, I think a lot of people fall back on it's business, it's business, it's business, but you just said yourself, like, it's all about love. So how do you, how do you translate that to being a financially stable business?
0: Yeah. um, Surprisingly, it, People can feel your message, you know, when we talk to clients or talk to models or that want to be signed by us. And I always ask, well, how did you find out about Kingsley? And they said, oh, we went through your social media your website and we can tell that you care about your models. It's simple things of like transparent communication, paying people on time, you know, It would take me 90 plus days or more to get a paycheck when I was modeling, and to the point that you would forget you even did the job, and then you have a check coming, and also, oh, oh, okay, I remember. I I have to
1: tell you, that is, I mean, that's in every industry, you Mm -hmm. know, the print, uh, journalism, all of it especially as a free, you know, when I did freelance, yeah. it's, it's so unacceptable that people have to keep calling and asking for money.
0: Yeah. yeah, And that's, and, and you know, and, and fortunately I have just tried to set this tone with my clients, you know, um, where we take deposits up front. So at least we know, and then payment is due in 30 days. And I will tell you 99% of my clients pay within 30 days. And so I'm grateful for that. And then my models get paid right away. And I'm like, I'm not holding your money. You and Kingsley. will you will always say Kingsley pays, you know? And um, so it's that kind of tr- transparency, but also um, because I mentioned earlier that I represent makeup artists and hairstylists, right. When I do have the opportunity, when a client allows me to, um, to book everything, if we are booking a, 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 a range of models, let's say we have a a white model and we have an African-American model and um Latino or Indian model. Mm-hmm. I make sure that the artists that are booked for that job can manage every single hair and face and every skin tone on there. Because there was nothing worse back then when I was modeling when you would go show up for a fashion show and the hairstylist did not know what to do with my hair. And then you start feeling so insecure as a model because then you don't know, you don't look as good as your white counterparts, right? And then even with the makeup, every Black model, still to this day, we have PTSD. We always carry our hair products. We always carry all of our makeup Mm because I've ended up looking ghastly and ashy. And and it's just like, why? To me, and I try to train or, or, or push my artists to make sure that you are diverse. You can't just only do one type of look or one type of model or race, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's in trying to be intentional about that. And, um, but also recognizing, I've had some of my black models with natural hair. They've been booked for some jobs and some things have gone wrong, but they feel comfortable that they can talk to me about it because they're like, she'll get it. She understands and I can advocate for them and I can fight for them. So, and also like, I put my clients first. Of course, I want to give white glove service as much as I can, and we'll always strive for that. But I definitely put my talent first, because if it isn't for my talent, we would not be where we are. And talent never have people truly advocating for them, advocating for more money, advocating for their safety, just advocating for them to feel good. So I feel confident that I have, I have accomplished what I've set out to do. And now I just focus on maintaining that.
1: Well, I, it, it breaks my heart to hear, you know, you say I would go into a photo shoot and they wouldn't know how to do my hair or my makeup. And it's, you know, taking that experience mm-hmm. and turning it into a positive, yeah. and, you know, incredible. Like that's how change happens, right? Yeah. So it is incredible. and um, And you're changing sort of the landscape here in DC. I mean, as DC sort of explodes, right? I mean, even with the pandemic, even with everything going on, there is this explosion happening with, um, especially with real estate yeah. and uh, retail and restaurants and etc. So I would assume there is lots of need mm-hmm. for these shoots and for, I mean, makeup artists and, and hairstyles, all these people to be a part of this system. I mean, you must be getting pulled left, right, and sideways.
0: Oh yeah. And it's getting pulled, you know, but the one thing that is a little frustrating about the DC market is people never want to pay models and creatives what they deserve.
1: Oh, that's totally
0: true. You know what I mean? So it's always groveling. Like, so those are, those are the people that they pay the least, but those are the people that make their brand. Right. If you don't have a model what are you going to do with your brand? If you don't have a good hair, makeup and wardrobe team, it doesn't reflect your brand. And so it's always interesting to me how much they try to shortchange everyone. Um, But there are a lot of amazing agencies popping up too, you know, And, and the other thing that I want DC to do is it doesn't have to be a me against the next agency you know there is room for all of us my niche is not the same as the next person and so to me there can be some collectiveness in how we approach it and how we keep a a unified system too because if we are all on the same page clients will respect that people will respect the process so unfortunately that uh, a group of us um Asian uh agencies in the area we have gotten together and we're trying to start to make that change, you know, to A, let's look at each other because I may have a talent that may be better for you, suited for your agency than it is for mine. Let's share, let's spread the knowledge. You may get a client request that you may not have the models for that, but I have the models for that. Right. Send it my way and vice versa. We can all win in this game. So
1: I think, I, you know, I think that's so smart. And I, I mean, I always say when it comes to the food world, the hospitality world here in DC, we're a very unique town mm-hmm. because the chefs, not all of them, but yeah. most of them, play really really well in the sandbox everybody supports one another everybody's there to help one another if a chef is hosting a special dinner there'll be six other chefs there you know in support with their families and whatever so collaboration yes I think it was a dirty word and I don't know why but it's so
0: it's good business business. yeah Yeah. yes And also, too, you know, a lot of us in new agencies. Like, although I, I'm very grateful and, and proud of the success that Kingsley has had in these four years, but I'm still a startup. I don't know it all. You know what I mean? There's still some things I can learn. I still get questions and I'm like, oh, crap, what is that, you know? And I want to know that I have people that I can go to who will be generous and kind enough to help the same way that I would be able to help them. So I'm hoping that we can slowly start to change that and not make collaboration a dirty word, you know? Right. So
1: I' you, I yeah. love that well, so, as we wrap up here, because you're doing so many amazing things, um let's talk about sort of where we are in this pandemic and what things look like, you know fashion wise style wise what you're seeing not just in the shoots you're doing, but what people kind of want and what's out there going forward because retail in dc has always been kind of dire right I mean, honestly and right 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 I Go down a rabbit hole of why that is <laughs> i know why it is but um you know there were some really great little boutiques that are no longer open and right. now when you go into the stores there's not much there i mean so it's how tough. it's 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 tough out there right. so how do you advise people what do you see coming down the pike for 2022 as far as You know fashion and feeling good about yourself um and things that you think people should have for you know in their closet
0: yep um all great questions uh fashion is i feel like fashion has gotten to a point now and i think partly because of the pandemic um, Mm -hmm. where people are really more focused on not truly fully following the trends and just kind of creating their own, right? Um, because now I think everyone needs to know their sizes off the offhand because. I order everything now. I go into the stores, like you said, a lot of the boutiques are are gone and it's just not the same anymore. And I really don't, I hate shopping with a mask on. (laughs) You know what I mean? And in some places you can't even try on the clothes because of COVID. And so I, I now do a lot of ordering even for my clients. So it's really about to me still finding what works for you. Like some of the fall trends this year, Colors like the pastel colors are coming back. Um, mini skirts are coming back, you know. But like mini skirt, that's not a trend for everybody, you right. know. I mean? a trend so, for me. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, the, the age comes into it, your body size comes into it. So it's really, again, that's why I always say find a couple pieces, the staple pieces, always have staple pieces in your wardrobe, have that staple blazer, have that favorite pair fitted jeans, regular fitted jeans and boyfriend jeans. Um, You know, we just are still kind of going through that baggy phase um, and the oversized phase. So that's still a thing there, which I think was great because we can put on weight and (laughs) and just hide everything. Right. Right. (laughs) So, um, so again, it's having those staples in there your 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 tall boots your booties your um what else would I say Um, I'm a hat girl so have a a cute hat that you can just throw on and go someplace but for me and and, in my personal style has really evolved into comfort Mm -hmm. I think it's an age thing and my knees are just tired so heels are not my friend anymore um and to
1: be fair you're also tall
0: it's true. So I can get away with it. I'm you so- can get away
1: I, as a five foot tall girl. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I Till the day I die, I'll be wearing heels. That's true. Yeah. Like-
0: but you got the platform sneakers, so you can always do that too. And um, I am thankful. Yeah, that- right. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, it's, so for me, it's, it's really about comfort. And I find that what most of my clients now, they just want to feel good and, and fit clothes so Mm -hmm. i don't push my clients to focus on trends at all because most of it doesn't work for everybody well and i
1: also think dc is a is a tough market yeah right i mean first of all if you went to the big shops you know they're always you know it's so conservative like there's you know it's they're so boring right it's speaking to a market that i really don't think is really here as much anymore i mean there are a lot of people who dress Fabulously, I
0: know and when I, I'm so tired of hearing the LDC is not stylist And I'm like no I walk out my door and I'm seeing it but then again I don't know Nikki if our frame of reference is different because where we're going we're always going to see a lot of fashionable people for the most part right okay. we're talking about going to events um but it, and also I think that people keep categorizing or, or, or thinking fashion is just one thing right? Because you go into any part of the city, you're going to see whether it's street fashion or corporate fashion or, you know, um, on the hill, but it's all relevant to what you're doing. Exactly. Exactly. All
1: right, Miss Joy, I'm so, it's so good to see you and I'm so thrilled to have this conversation with you today. Just, um, if somebody wanted to get into modeling, how do they approach you? How do they go that route?
0: Yeah. Well, everything they need to know is on our website. So I always don't hit me on DMs. I don't respond to DMs. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and if they do, Proper English, I would appreciate, you know, putting proper sentences together. But anyway,
1: it's a business proposition. Exactly. No different than writing a resume in. I'm totally with you. Exactly.
0: And then, um, but go to our website and then we have a form that, you, that says become a model and they can fill out the form, submit their images. They do not have to submit professional images. It can be cell phone pictures, but follow the guidance on the website and, um, and then we'll check out their images. And if we think there'll be a go, we'll hit them up
1: excellent okay tell us the website and tell us where we can find you on social
0: all right so the website is um, kingsleymanagement.com and from there you can find our modeling page on the left hand side and the the styling page on the right hand side so one website for all and then you can find us on instagram for kingsley models it's at kingsley models Mm -hmm. and for the styling business it's at style by kingsley excellent Joy
1: Kingsley, Ebay, thank you so much for joining
0: me today. Thank you for having me, Nick. I appreciate it.
1: I really love catching up with old friends um, and both Eric and Joy are doing such amazing things. And it's so exciting for me to see all the exciting things that they are doing. So absolutely check out Chef Eric at Japan, uh, on his website and his social, obviously, but also on his new show that he is hosting on the Food Network. Alex versus America. And all you fashionistas out there, uh, check out what Joy Kingsley eBay is doing. She is a real full uh, force, really culturally. Uh, and fashion-wise in the D.C. market. And uh, her story is just so inspirational. I greatly appreciate her sharing it with us today. And I want to thank all of you for joining me as always here on Industry Night on Real Fun D.C. You know, you can follow me at N Y C C I N E L L I S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for all that's happening in and around the D.C. food, wine, and hospitality scene. Same thing with the list, youana.com, on the online e-zine that that. That tells you everything, especially if you're looking to fill your event calendar or want to know the latest in restaurant openings. Uh, And lastly, here, David, my husband, and I every Sunday um, at 11 a.m. on 1500 on Foodie and the Beast, the D.C. area's only food, wine, and variety show. Uh, A little uh, advice out there, some pro tips. Uh, You better be vaccinated and get boosted. You need to wear a mask. And now if you want to go to a restaurant, you need to show proof of vaccination. So take a kindness pill and be sweet and kind to all those uh, service workers out there. Uh, Get out there and eat and have a delicious week.
0: Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Thanks for listening to Real Fun DC.